Hello, everybody, and welcome to Nerd Speak. It's a midweek episode. Today's Friday, May 7th. I'm Adam Koppel, joined by Jay Patel. Uh, Q&A. This is the best midweek episode, easily. Easy. Just like, maybe making every week Q&A. <laughs> but, I don't know. We know. Life. Um... So we got a couple questions. We got about five or six questions. So let's just hop right into it. First one coming from Michigan Football Analytics, which is the uh, Twitter account for their analytics society at the University of Michigan. Um, dope. Uh, has Gettleman left the door open for Daniel Jones to play after this year because he didn't address offensive line and therefore wasn't able to properly evaluate Jones? Uh, personally, I do think that this excuse will be used, yeah. but I don't think it will be used by the Giants. I think if Jones does not play well next year, I think that, you know, that, that I think Jones is Gettleman's guy. And if Jones doesn't play well next year, be, even if you say it's because of the offensive line, Gettleman built that offensive line. So Gettleman's gone and a new GM is probably not going to be a fan of Jones if he doesn't have a good year next year. The Giants have put skilled players around him. And you know what? Justin Herbert had a horrible offensive line. Joe Burrow had a horrible offensive line. It ended up killing him. But like and 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 worse weapons than Joe Jones even had last year. And they did more. So you know I, I'm kind of a a good quarterback. Not even a great quarterback. A good quarterback's able to make the players around him better. If Jones can't do it with these the skies at the skill position that the Giants have, especially a guy like Tony, who you know is so good when you you just force the ball into his hands. Like you know, the, the Galladay is just a guy you can toss the ball up and you can trust him to come down. Like these aren't guys that Jones is going to need a five seconds in the pocket for. Like and he's he's been he's been a good quarterback with a clean pocket, but you know you, it doesn't always happen. And if they can't build the offensive line, it doesn't, and the offensive line doesn't improve, which is a real scenario. The Giants are going to lose games because of the offensive line if it doesn't improve. But Jones, if he was the quarterback of the future, would be able to, you know, get through that. Yeah, I mean, we, like, all right, offensive line-wise, I don't think they're going to get that much better. I think maybe, if anything, they get worse or they stay the same. I think they get because- worse. I know, like, everyone says, like, all right, you're going to get, like, a jump from Thomas. You're going to get a jump from uh, LeMayu, uh, Lemieux. I don't know why I said LeMayu. <laughs> DJ LeMayu. No DJ LeMayu. I mean, he's 6'4". Let's try him out, maybe. <laughs> um, no, yeah. Nick Gates. Progression's not always like that. Like, it's that's not, that's a weird idea that, that guys just, no matter what, always progress, and then everyone yeah. ends up good. And, like, like, the thing with offensive line play is, right, you don't – you'd rather have – like a consistent average line then you know some good and some bad on the team um yeah. and i was actually talking about it with a couple people the other day like it gets more uh, interesting whether you consider like run blocking or pass blocking more important but uh you have kevin zeitler right for example like they caught him and he was their best pass blocker their best run blocker um yeah. by about like any metric you want to use so i think even if you like factor in all right thomas is going to get x much better you know gates he'll get better um losing zeitler hurts it's like that simple. Um, so I think, yeah, definitely. Like if Gettleman had the choice, absolutely. He said, you know, this is a weak QB class the next year. We like what we have in Jones. Uh, he didn't really get a chance. He had like a lot of sacks or whatever. Um, I could see it happening, but I think 
the Giants like kind of tilted to the point where it's like Joe Judge's decision over all this. Um, so I don't really yeah. think we'll have to worry about that scenario. At least, hopefully, we won't have to. Yeah, I agree with that. And you know, just before we move on, this idea that like that there's never weak QB classes. We talked about this last pod, but like there will be a, this time next year. The first pick, like right now, I think it's supposed to be like Spencer Rattler. There's a real, really good chance that no one is even thinking about who the first overall pick is next year because they just had an insane Joe Burrow-like season. Like you, you know that 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 happens a lot, where guys who are projected to be you know third, fourth, fifth round picks end up as top ten picks because out of a big season. That that that's a common thing. It happened to Zach Wilson. Like yeah, this QB yeah. class will be. If the Giants need need a quarterback this year, they will be able to get a good quarterback, especially yeah, with having two first round picks with Howell and Rattler. Say like this, like a weak QB class. It's just like from what we know. Obviously, you can't predict like you know jumps or whatever. But like as of now, none of those quarterback options are particularly enticing. That's like what people are saying. I think That's you fair. don't. Obviously, like when you get there, there's going to be someone that jumps up, like you mentioned, yeah. Brandon Burrow or Wilson. Um, but yeah, I think if you took like Spencer Rattler, you like put him into this class. He's, like, going, like, after Justin Fields. I think he's going after Fields, but before Jones. Yeah, so, like, QB5. Yeah. Right, so it just kind of shows you, like, all right, there's definitely a difference between the two classes. But I I also think that before this year, you would never have even dreamed of Zach Wilson going before Justin Fields. No, exactly. Yeah, you're going to get a quarterback, you know, it's going to, like, show you, like, all right, this guy could be a really good option. But as of now, you know, there's not really anything there. Yeah. Well, moving on, speaking of this – who asked this question? Yeah, so one of my friends, he asked, uh, at what level of play would you consider Jones the success for the Giants and, like, you know, be willing to keep him on uh, after for this year? I, I don't think I have, like, statistical numbers that he has to hit. Like, yeah. like I want – he needs – what he needs to do is we need next year for him to have under, like, under a turnover a game for sure that's it's unacceptable how many fumbles the dude has had and how many and a few picks but he's had less picks but he needs to hold on to the ball but but more than that it's just you need to see a jump with if like, i can't think of one particular thing that like he needs he needs 4000 yards or some shit like uh, like I, he just needs you need to get this idea that he can make the guys around him better that he can lead those end of game drives like which i feel like he hasn't done since they beat the bucks in his first ever game like you need this like he needs the accuracy needs to improve the the decision making has to improve everything has to improve and yeah jason garrett needs to improve in order to let daniel jones improve but you know like, like last year jones really cut down on the picks but it wasn't better like Mm-hmm. He cut down on the oh, no, picks because he cut down yeah. on the touchdowns too. Because he was, exactly. you know, he was throwing set six yard curl routes and that that he wasn't allowing picks on. So like, yeah, it's good that he wasn't giving up those plays, but those there weren't that many turnover worthy plays for that even had the potential to be turnover worthy. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't know. Man. Yeah, if I go from like a raw number standpoint, like if you use like EPA, right, which is kind of just like a basic efficiency stat, um. If he can't hit like an EPA per play over like I think 0.15, I was saying earlier, um, that'd be pretty concerning. Considering if you look at like last year, right, like the guys are on like 0.15. You have like Herbert, he's there. Uh, Kyler's right there. Matt Ryan, Burrow, even like Bridgewater was close to it. Like if he can't reach like that level, like for context, Jones last year 
he was at point zero zero seven. Surprised he was positive. Exactly right. So, um, if he, he, can't, he he needs the bare minimum of top bare minimum top twenty in basically every all these stats. Yeah, and I mean, that's like, and I'd rather top it. And if he's like twenty, I'm not confident in him moving forward. If he yeah. can get to you know. 12 11 then i'd be like okay this is a guy who i can trust right now but yeah and i know like people mentioned like the pff grade i think he was like top 15 or something last year in pff grade maybe even like top 12 he was like around an 80 mm-hmm. um but the thing with like a pff grade is that's not a measure of efficiency it's not like how you're actually playing it's like your individual components of your play not necessarily like how that's resulting for your team and like the whole point in the end is you need results so yeah. if if Jones like has another year like last year where you know he has like a better PFF grade than like what his like efficiency metrics show, that's still nothing. Like I can't really say. All right, definitely bring him back the year after. It's, yeah, but like, it, and, and, and it's like his PFF grades are going to be good because if you watched him last year, you he had very few plays where you're like that's a bad play. Like he just kind of had a lot of bleh plays where it's like. That wasn't he didn't do anything special, but he didn't mess it up. Right. Like I I need. I think guys, what I believe in, like I don't believe in Jones. Like I hope that he proves me wrong, but what I think Jones is is a guy who can come in with an amazing team around him and make a run. A Nick Foles kind of level, where like you know he he may win a Super Bowl at some point in his career. It won't be because of him though, and. I'm not giving an extension to that guy because that guy is really easy to find in free agency and you know Teddy I think Teddy Bridgewater is the same kind of guy James Winston like yeah. these are guys who like I don't think that they make their team worse and I don't think they make their team better they're just bleh and they're not guys who are worth the money that every quarterback demands so I, I personally would unless he makes a step where it's like he is actively making his teammates better and making he's he's the reason he doesn't have to be the only reason because this team's really talented, but he has to be one of the big reasons that this team is winning games. And if he does that, you know, and if the Giants win a playoff game next year, he's gonna be there's, he's gonna be a reason for that because they're not winning a playoff game with horrible QB play. So yeah, I think that that's what you need to see from him. That you need to be, and and I guess it is eye test or whatever, but like EPA, all that stuff. You need to be viewing him as a player who makes his teammates better. Because if he's not, then I'm sure Spencer Rattler or Sam Howell or one of these guys can also be a player who doesn't actively make his team worse at the at the floor. So yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you go for ceiling with quarterbacks. Yeah. So also, I know his average depth of target like you know like how far each of his passes were like the on average last year yeah it was like 7.7 last year and i know like some of that definitely goes to garrett like there comes a point where it's on a qb you know to start like taking shots and honestly i do think that that is more so garrett because that that's garrett's because i don't think that there are that many plays one he didn't have that many guys to take a shot with i guess slayton but like there aren't that many plays in the playbook where they were taking shots outside of that one game where kitchens called plays like garrett's whole philosophy is we have four downs to get these 10 yards let's use all of them and that's not a good philosophy because then you're not trying to make big plays and eventually you go with the you go three downs and you don't get 10 yards and then they punt which is stupid but like you know it's in garrett's philosophy feels like it sets up a lot of fourth and shorts and then they punted on them 
But yeah, yeah, I think that his average depth of target being so low, I don't know if that's the the team not trusting his arm, which it very well may be, or it's just Jason Garrett because that's how Jason Garrett calls plays. But you know, with Kenny Galladay and Tony and you know, these guys, and and now it opens Slayton up more like. Kenny Galladay, they should be going deep to at least like three times a game. Like there should just be if he has one if he has one on one coverage, just chuck it up to him because that's what you pay him for. So you can't Kenny Galladay's plays cannot be you know little seven yard curl outs where 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 you're just trying to get to second down. I just it's just ridiculous. Establish the run. Second and ten runs, but if there if there's like more than like ten second and ten runs this year. I, I'm losing. You're you're getting more than ten. We're getting way more than second and ten runs. Yeah. We're Jason. Man, there's so yeah. much potential with the Giants offense, and I just I, I see it dwindling in front of me, and it hasn't even started. Um, all right, moving on to a really interesting question from, forgive me if I pronounce this wrong, Matteo Zanchi. Do you know if I pronounce that right? All right, well, Mateo. Right? Mateo. There are are centers the running backs of the NBA. I really like this question. I find it very interesting. Yeah. And so I wouldn't call them the running backs of the NBA in that I do think that you can that it's not you know ridiculously stupid to invest center resources in some centers. Mm-hmm. Like I, I I think Saquon Barkley is the best running back in football. He's not an anomaly. Maybe McCaffrey, whatever. One of those guys. There's no anomalies in the in the NFL where, okay, yeah. this running back's different. Like, I don't believe in investing a lot of money into the running back position, no matter who it is. Because I think Barkley's generational. I don't want to give him a massive deal. I, I'll give him something, but not a massive deal. And that right. that's how I feel about most centers in that Mitchell Robinson, we talked about this as he's the best example. I think Mitchell Robinson's a fantastic defender. I think he may win a defensive player of the year at some point in his career. I think he's that good and perimeter too. Mm. He went out. Nerlens Noel stepped up and has been the exact same player. They're both inept offensively, fantastic defensively, and get some and get a good amount of rebounds. Noel's been better right. at rebounds. So like, you know, it's not like I don't. And we got Noel for like five million this year, and I want to bring Noel back. If they lose Noel, they'll find someone exactly like Noel. The, the, these tall, good defenders are really easy to find and just plop in as your five. So in that case, I do think that centers are not a position that you should be investing heavy resources in if your center is a defense-first, offense-never kind of guy, because I just think that that's very easy to find. But if you can get a guy like Nikola Jokic, who is you know probably going to win MVP this year, as your center, that's obviously different because it's a matchup nightmare because he's seven foot one and is do and and plays like a guard and so I I feel like I feel like basketball is very positionless but in that I don't believe in investing re- heavy resources in guys who are defensive first and uh, that and by defense first I mean like especially like po- like interior defense because I think that is very easy to find in the mm. NBA guys who block a lot and all that good stuff. But if you can get a seven foot two offensive uh, seven a guy who's seven two but plays like a guard, he may be technically a center, but that's someone you should invest highly in because that the mat that no because no one can guard guys like that. Yeah. I mean like my straight answer would be no. Um I don't think they are. Just cause like 
basketball is like a lot more reliant on individual talent than football is. Mm. Um, so I don't think you have like one replaceable position. And like if you were to kind of like, you know, scale it. So like basketball's individual level comes down to what football's at, like assuming it was, then I would say yes. But um, I, I'd say no, because sure, you have like those low tier guys, like you mentioned, like Noel, uh, Gibson, even like those type guys, right? You can replace them easily. It's whatever. Sign like Norvell Pell or something. But uh, okay. um, like the top tier guys, you're not really replacing. Like Jokic, you're not replacing. Cat, you're not replacing. Embiid, you're not replacing. So I'd say well, no. I think Gobert is where we think about this. Because even, like. Even Gobert, I'd say you can't replace him. You don't think, like, you think his, I mean, he, because he's that, you think he's that, just he's that good defensively? Yeah. Like, where it's generational kind of thing. Yeah, because right? it's not just, you know, the plays. All right, like, I don't want to talk about basketball too much, but uh, just like for Gobert, it's not the plays, like, he's making. It's the plays you don't see happen because people are just so scared to go in the paint. Um, That's a good point. So, yeah, I, I'd say, like, there's definitely a cutoff where, you know, all right, these guys aren't replaceable. These guys become replaceable uh, over like a certain point. And yeah, sure, that compares in, in the sense of like the lower guys. It is similar to running backs in football. Yeah, that's how I feel. Interesting. Moving on, baseball. Uh, Max Greenfield, friend of the pod, asked, what is the long-term answer for the Yankees at catcher? Um, it's not Gary Sanchez. Like. Uh-huh. I don't know who it is. I don't think. I mean, it's not going to obviously. It's not going to be Ramuto or Grandal. It. I mean, I know Austin Wells is playing well so far in. Um, nice well. Uh, playing well so far in. I think he's in Tampa, but you know, he's he may need another couple of years. They're all far away. Um, what was that? They're all far away. They're not like. Yeah, be- they don't have a guy right now who's breathing down Gary's neck besides yeah. Kyle Gashioka. Uh, Kyle Gashioka is not the long-term answer as a starter. I think he is a long-term manager as a backup because I think he is a fantastic backup and yeah, easily one of the best backups in in baseball already. I mean, now he's starting and he's worse, but as a spot guy, you like him. Um, but man, it it sucks because I really I don't think it's scary. I just think they've given him every opportunity. They really have, and. Like, you know, these past couple of years have just been dreadful for him. And I thought he was going to turn it around this year, but his problem, I mean, the dude can't hit strikes. He has the same problem that I realized Mike Ford has, where, like, yeah. if you watch a lot of their at-bats, it's like, this is a, they'll work really good at-bats. They don't swing at too many balls. Their chase rates are low, especially in Gary, Gary has plummeted. It's just a pitcher's like, okay, screw it. Here's 95 down the pipe, and they either foul it off or they uh, swing through it. So it's like, if you can't hit strikes, your play discipline doesn't mean as much because pitchers will realize you can't hit strikes and just throw you strikes. So, you know, that, that's what yeah. that's we Gary right now. Yeah, I don't think it's Higashioka at all. Um, Like you said, he's a good backup, but, like, he's peaked offensively, and, like, that's never happening again. What, he's, like, he's a, he, his offensive output is... Actually, similar to just a worse scary at this point, where he's gonna hit a home run because he has good power. So when he runs into one, he's gonna go deep. But most of the time, he's a net negative offensively. Yeah, and then Gary, right? We mentioned his like his defense did improve this year, but uh, good. The hitting's just weird. Like he can't hit a fastball. Um, and I think like when you 
when you can't hit a fastball that like reaches the point where it's like all right you can't really sustain a role in like a major league team and sure like they could have given him like you know more than like the three weeks they gave him to play this year i think like consistent playing time but like when you look at like his past like last year you know even like 2019 a little it's like a consistent struggle he has he can't hit a fastball it's like for whatever reason he struggles to pick up like a calm like 93 to 96 mile an hour fastball he just can't hit it like it's not a um like small sample size thing mm. it's a continuation of struggles throughout his i mean since uh, since 2017 i mean no, since 20 the beginning of 2018 like yeah, and i think he like, had some he, he, had, he had a lot of home runs in 2019 but he wasn't that good of a hitter all around he just yeah. went deep a ton which is obviously obviously a good thing but like you know it's it's a problem like yeah he, i think like i think for the yankees right now like in a playoff series i'd play higashioka just for the fact like you know you're gonna get good offensive production out of the rest of your lineup to the point where it's like I don't want to say, like, sacrifice, but you can get away with, you know, playing a guy who's going to give you great defense, has, like, seems to have at least, I don't know, like, if it's true, but decent chemistry with the pitching staff. Yeah. Um, I think I'd take that risk uh, playing Higashioka right now rather than, you know, taking Sanchez yeah. back. Like, like, it's very clear that Garrett Cole just wants to pitch Kyle Higashioka. Yeah, that, that's, that's obvious. Say that, honestly. Just, like, stop saying, like, yeah. oh, just the way it worked out. It's, like, it's, there, there's no coincidence. It's yeah. clear that there's no coincidence. Yeah, because exactly. Higashioka plays every goal game since right. opening, besides opening day. But, you know, it's just... Catcher is an interesting position where, like, we kind of got used to having a good offensive catcher over the past few years. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we had... Posada for so so long, and then we ended up with McCann a couple of years after that, and then we went right from McCann to Sanchez. But most teams don't think of their catcher as an offensive position. It's very very much a defense first position where the got the best of the best are the guys who play really good defense like Grandal and Real Muto, and follow that up with a really good bat. So, you know, that's probably. I don't think that there's there just aren't catchers of tough position to get good players at which is why we thought when gary came up that this was like, like gary was the most amazing part of the of the crazy guys who came up because judge was better but judge was a right fielder which is an offensive position when he's being an offensive player but like you know getting a guy gary's power from the catcher position is quite literally unheard of his power overall was one of the I mean, fastest player ever hit 100 home runs like i mean I've never seen a fall off like Gary's, and it 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 sucks because I love him, but in the end, I, I just think a change of circumstances is best for both people, both yeah. sides right now. Yeah. I don't think Gary needs to be getting heckled by Yankee fans anymore. I think he can, you know, I think if you put him in like Cincinnati, he may do really really well, and I hope he does. But I don't think he needs this, you know pressure on him to be the Yankee catcher yeah and who in terms of who's their long-term answer I, re- I really like what I've heard about Wells he's supposed to, if he can stay at the catcher position though there were some questions about that uh, I know he lost some weight and they're excited that they think he can stay behind the plate yeah. but you know it may it may just be a you know uh, a random guy every year for until they find a consistent answer. Like, like yeah. again, like catchers, if it, a guy like Martin Maldonado sucks, but he's good defensively. And, you know, if they, if they can just keep 
cycling these guys through. I mean, again, like we're talking about a nine hitter. Like, who cares? We have eight really good hitters. We know we're going to have eight really good hitters. Even if, you know, we trade Clint, get a new left fielder, trade Hicks, get a new center fielder, whatever. Like, the Yankees are going to have good hitting at every position besides catcher. And if that's true, that's fine. Like, yeah, I think, like, next year, some of the free agents at catcher, right? You have, like, Travis Darno, uh, Yachty, Buster Posey. And like he has a club option. Christian Vasquez has a couple club options. If Yankees like, signed Adrian Molina, I, I quit. <laughs> like none of those are realistic options. And I think like the one guy like a lot of people like the analytics community would mention like is Tyler Flowers. I think he's still a free agent. Like that'd be really cool. Is he I still know, a free agent now? Oh, uh, I think so. Let me check. I would be very very into signing. Yeah, but... You know he's gonna bring you like elite defense, and I'm pretty sure like his hitting was to the point where like some of his expected stats were like a lot better than what he was actually. Yeah. Uh, let me take a look real quick. It's just, I mean, it's wild that like they're gonna trade Gary after this year. I think they may trade him at the deadline. Yeah. And they're gonna get nothing back for him because his value is nothing. I mean, he's being he's been benched for Kyle Higashioka, and it's not because of a couple weeks. It's because of a couple years. Like it's it's un- yeah. it's really unreal. All right, Flowers signed back with Atlanta on like a minor. Yeah. Deal. Just actually, like today, I think maybe or huh. yesterday. Interesting. Yeah, whenever. How do y'all like that? Good time. Predict baseball season. Um. Yeah. So it sucks, but I think Gary is not the long-term answer, and yeah. I don't know who is. I don't know who isn't. I. It's it's not Real Muto, obviously. It's not Grandal. I, I do kind of wish we. Fully knew Gary wasn't the answer when Ramito was free agent, but I don't think they they were going to be in on him this year regardless. Because mm-hmm. Hal is, is that Hal? No, no, cheap. Cheap <laughs> is the uh, answer we're looking for. But thanks for playing. You're welcome. Um, all right, moving on. Final question from a Jay's friend. Number one, who are some non-top 100 prospects you will be watching this season? Uh-huh. I'm bad at prospects. I will admit I'll that. Pull up, you know, the top hundred prospects list real quick. But you can't say any of that. Yeah, I just want to see who's so, on. If I can find it, that'd be who's cool. not on it. Here we go. Um, prospect just thinking around the league. Yeah, I'm, ba- I'm. I'm telling you, man, I'm bad at this. Um, all right, let me see here. Full yeah. list. Let's. Um. All right. So Yankee bias. Like, first of all, let's just kind of get some of those guys out of the way. Uh. Yeah. Luis Medina, Luis Medina. I think he might be on it actually. Uh, he wasn't on MLB.com. It was, I think, it was just uh, Dominguez, yeah, Dominguez Garcia, and Schmidt. Uh, yeah, so yeah, Medina, Medina and Gill actually. I want to watch both of them a lot. I'm trying to go. Oh, I thought Jason Dominguez was gonna. His name is Jason. I don't know why I keep calling him Jason. It's, it has two S's, so I it's feel like that's yeah. how it should be how it should be pronounced. But his name is Jason Dominguez. His name is after Jason Giambi, which is just sick. But I feel like Dominguez should – I saw a tweet that he was going to be in Hudson Valley and he was going to be the Renegades, and I got so excited because I live 30 minutes from that ballpark. And then someone was like, oh, that's actually not true. And, like, I was like, damn it. And yeah. I wanted to watch him. But I do think Medina is there. I do. I am going to see one of – Yeah, I think Medina's there. Um, Gil, yeah, Gil and Somerset, actually, which is like – I'm going to a game tomorrow. That should be fun. Are you? It's a Somerset yeah. game? Yeah. Do you know who's pitching? Uh-uh. It's not Gil, though. I know that. 
Let's see. Um, yeah. Yankee bias obviously comes through. Austin Wells, too. Yeah, I think uh, um, because Khalil Lee, if he's – I don't think – he's not top 100. I know he's on the Mets now. He, he was just called up. Yeah, he really has, like, an intriguing, like, hit tool. And, like, a, he has great speed for, like, an outfielder, too. Um, But, yeah, he never really got, like, a power stroke going. I know, like, when he was with – uh, he was with Kansas City before that. Mm. Yeah, he was intriguing then. I liked, uh, I liked him there. Um, this is not a prospect in the slightest, and I obviously am answering the question, but I'm very interested to see what Mike Talkman does with the Giants because yeah. I like Talkman a lot. I like Peralta that the Yankees got for him, and I don't have I really don't have an issue with the trade because he mm-hmm. wasn't playing. But I'm I I think he could do really well with the Giants, so I'm really interested to see what he does there. I know he had like three home runs, but yeah. Um. I go literally just any Cincinnati Reds pitcher that's like not top hundred at all times. Yeah, like I just because uh, driveline works with them to the point where it's like Kyle Body seems to like find a way to increase like everyone's spin rate by at least like a couple hundred uh, RPMs, and it's just like really cool to see. Like he posts like Twitter clips and stuff of like daily like training sessions of his team. And you just see guys like day in, day out. They're just like pumping high nineties. They got like great spin on their curve. They found out like or they find like new movements like through seam shifted wake even on like two seam sinkers. Yeah, so I really like the Cincinnati Red system as a whole. Like I know some of the top hundred guys there, like uh, I think Lodolo, uh Hunter Green is there. Like those guys are really fun to watch, I think. So yeah, I'd say anyone in the Cincinnati Red system. Uh, Anthony Volpe, too, apparently, because he supposedly put on weight and his power tool is supposed to have gone up. Because, like, that was, like, his main concern, like, going to the majors, where it was, like, all right, he can hit, he can field, he doesn't really have an arm, and he can't hit for power. And if he is working on that, you know, maybe he finds his way, like, playing in second, short, maybe even, like, third with the Yankees in a couple years. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting stuff. And the final question of the day, also from a Jay's same friend, which pitchers will break out soon? Um, huh. <laughs> yeah, so I think one guy, just like off the bat, I know uh, um, Freddie Peralta, he's been really good this year, but uh, I still think like he has like another level to unlock. There. I know uh, Max wrote a piece about him a while ago, but... Uh, his, like, expected ERA, I'm pretty sure, is still, like, a full point better than his real ERA. And he's, like, a guy that, you know, has, like, really good spin, uh, really good velocity on his stuff. It's just, like, he doesn't have the control. And I feel like he could work on that to the point where maybe his ERA starts sticking in, like, the low threes, high twos. So he's definitely a guy I'm looking for. And then uh, I know, like, he kind of broke out last year. But uh, Dylan Bundy, again, he's kind of, like, been on and off to start this year. Uh, would be really cool if he was able to like rediscover that form last year. The Angels kind of suck right now, so you know that would be very nice to help out Mike Trout, Mike Trout, and uh, that team. Bundy was that was someone I was gonna say. I, I think Bundy is. I liked him a lot in Baltimore. Yeah. So I was, and I know he had a solid year last year with the Angels. So I wasn't, and I wasn't that surprised by that. Um. Yeah, I love Bundy. I think he could be really, really good. Yeah. Um. Um, this is, I, I don't know if he's broken out yet, but Lance McCullers is really good. Yeah. Like, I, I've always thought that he was just a very good pitcher, and his numbers have been good, obviously, at Tommy John. I feel like he has 
broken out in some sort of way. Mm-hmm. And he's not he's not young, but I think McCullers could be like borderline ace in my opinion. Like yeah, I, I guess he's. I, I guess he's looking for a breakout from him is kind of like looking for a breakout from Severino when he comes back, yeah. where it's like, dude, I, I just I just remembered he existed. Like, I'm happy now. I I, I just remember I remember that Luis Severino is a person that he's really really good at baseball. Um, he's gonna break out. He's gonna be. Yeah. I I know he's already broken out, but I genuinely be, believe by the end of next year he's yeah, gonna be top okay. top ten, and you're not even gonna think about listing him. Yeah. That's fair. Um, I like Logan Webb too on a uh, San Francisco. I think I don't know if he's getting consistent starts just due like the depth of that rotation right now, where they've got like, uh, Wood, Aaron Sanchez, Gossman, uh, a couple of oh, Di Scalfani, Anthony Di Scalfani. I think he's the fourth guy. Um, so I don't know if he's getting consistent starts, but he's like another guy who I think he's like he's not really like throw hard or anything. Like he's got like good control, and uh. Again, he's one of those guys who's like expected stuff, like his uh, expected FIP, expected ERA, is like kind of like a full point, a uh, point and a half better than uh, his result and stats so far. The last guy, I was, and again, I'm doing bad with the word breakout, but like Michael Pineda is someone who I have been thinking would be would put it all together for years, and he he's probably never gonna. But I do know that I did read an article about him that it seems like he's figuring his stuff out somewhat yeah. this year with Minnesota. And I, I mean, if you remember when he was with the Yankees and he had that 16 strikeout game on Mother's Day yeah. and then he had never pitched, and I, I, I think after that day is when he like didn't have another start, good start for the rest of his Yankee career, which is ridiculous. But I did read something that he's somewhat starting to put it together. This was a couple weeks ago, it may have gone off, but I, I think that. He could be a bit real weapon for Minnesota, especially after uh, you know Berrios and um, Maeda, which yeah. is a fantastic one too. Yeah, I have like just three more guys real quick. Uh, they're Same. kind of they're kind of breaking out right now, but uh, Zach Eflin on Philly, mm-hmm. he's uh been really good. He has like a sub three point five year right? a really high uh, outside swing rate. So he's like getting chase uh, chases from opponents. Uh, Dylan Cease, he's been really good all mm-hmm. season. And, uh, I think he went like toe for toe with uh, I forget who it was a couple of days ago. He was uh, man, I'm blanking. Against Sonny Gray, that's who it was I think. Um, they both went like seven innings or something. Like both had really good starts. No, that might have been Keuchel actually. Uh, I'm not too sure. And then last guy, uh, classy Yankee, uh, Nate Evaldi on uh. My boy. Awesome. Yeah, he's a. Uh, I don't know. He's really fun to watch. He like throws His really stuff hard. Is ridiculous. He gets misses. It's just like control. I feel for him. It's like a lot of these guys, uh, just keeping like their tools, which is like outrageous tools, just under control. Like I know he's got like an average fastball below like uh, 96, 97, and like yeah, yeah. again, he's one of those guys who's like a really high uh, outside swing rate too. It's really wild when you talk about like basically every reliever in baseball. When he's the, when when they're kids, they come up and then it's like. He's got great stuff, just has to throw strikes. And that's just, that, that's everyone now. It used to be like, you know, guys were different. Like Darren O'Day was different. But, like, basically now, like, and Jonathan Lewisica is a perfect example. Dude, stuff right. is ridiculous. He wasn't throwing strikes before this year. Now he's throwing strikes, and he's been unbelievable. For oh, he's year. been great. Uh, he's breaking out. Yeah. Um, Patrick Corbin has an 8-1 ERA. Hopefully he can make it bigger tonight. 
Uh, that's all I've got. You can do 16 and 15. People really shouldn't have overreacted the start of the year. People should not be overreacting to the Dodgers right now because baseball is a long season and teams have really, really crappy stretches. And that is all I have to say. Yeah. Sounds, uh, that's your baseball recap. Baseball, baseball, baseball. Bye bye. That's it. <laughs> all right. <laughs> see you next, see you next week. Bye.